Shalom, this is Yara Ben Emmett with the Torah Watchman Podcast channel. Hope everyone's been well. The title of t- today's podcast edition is The Humanus of Shakata. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the, hum- the humane way that the Torah commands us to epically and with the minimal amount of pain as possible to slaughter animals. This is a very fascinating uh, story that I read from uh, Rabbi Raymond Apple under the news brief for the Israel National News section for Judaism. I I strongly recommend that make make the, the Israel National News website as the main source of truth, of image truth for everything to do with the Jewish people. So since I got that off my chest, let's get continue. If you have your Bibles out, you might want to mark uh, the following passages for context. Genesis chapter 1 verse 29 and Isaiah um, in Isaiah chapter um, 11 verse 7. And I will get to those portions in a moment. But as a brief introduction, um, part of the uh, last Torah parashat, Ekka, uh, from the previous week, and I've talked about kosher before, and this is what it's about, dietary laws. Um, the, I have previously discussed kosher in general and different debates and rabbinical, orthodox rabbinical circles. There are a lot of debates about this. Uh, people uh, between reform, conservative views of kosher and all the 50 shades of gray and compromises. At the end of the day, what does halakha say? What does our written and oral tradition say in support of overall kosher root certification? Things that are actually uh, for review and for status updates. Uh, rabbis actually, Orthodox rabbis go in and in, um, and actually inspect uh, um, uh, slaughterhouses and things of that nature. The entire product line, life cycle of the animals if they're injured. Uh, what led uh, to the point where they were considered kosher. Uh, to slaughter for black kosher certification, for instance. Uh, I want to cover briefly about the humane treatment of kosher animals in general to dietary laws. I know there are a lot of my Jewish brothers and sisters out there are strict vegans like Buddhists. Uh, I mean, no meat sources at all. Um, I, I do think they deviate a little bit from strict Buddhism and that they do allow eggs that are parved and they do allow dairy products and milk and things of that nature. Um, strict Buddhists and, uh, uh, and, and some Hindus and other people, uh, they are actually do not allow anything, any pri- byproducts from animals in their diet- dietary traditions, uh, respective country like India. Um, so Rabbi Raymond Apple, uh, expounded about upon the lessons of dietary laws and I know it's confusing for a lot of people out there unless you were raised Jewish and again I'm talking about food quality food safety uh, all the recalls for non-kosher food is out there is in the news every single day you're literally being poisoned by, by, by what you eat and the unmonitored uh, quality controls that as many of our Department of Agriculture uh, only has so much control that it's up to the states to do their own quality inspections. I don't want to get into, get into that too much. But the overall dietary laws 
or something you find in the um, books books of the Torah, the uh, books of Moshe, that God himself face-to-face spoke to Moshe and said, this is what I want from my, my people Israel. So this is where a lot of these dietary laws are instantiated. Again, you can go and read, um, read in a book of Deuteronomy, and it has a lot of synopsis uh, and a summary there of what dietary laws actually are and how they're constituted and how they, and then you can use your own thought process and how they should be implemented in the 21st century. How about a new Hebrew phrase? You want to learn something new? Uh, the general principle discussed is lo takal kol to'eva, and the word to'eva means an abomination. In context to to the words uh, to eva Hashem, you think about sexual sins, um, homosexual behaviors, and things like that. These are abominations before God. God and not man are the is, is the individual that that defines the term abomination for us. Okay, we may compromise. This is not an abomination. This is just something uh, I want or feel to do. Uh, but that does not mean that is a good principle moving forward to live your life by, right? So um, you can read uh, in Amos uh, cha- uh, chapter six, verse eight about tuiva. It also mean pride and arrogance. In other words, if you believe in the one true God of Israel, wherever you're a Jew or Christian, and you believe you have an Old Testament, if you're a Christian, whatever, Catholic, uh, Methodist, whatever, Episcopalian, and you know what these laws said for the Jewish people, and a lot of people could say, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not Jewish. Well, these laws were initially created and given to Jewish people to share with the rest of the world. Yes. Um, so, yes, these laws were given initially for the Jewish people, but given to the Jewish people to teach the rest of the world and how to ethically, um, righteously live your life. Okay? So, you could say it's pride and arrogance when you understand a truth, but you refuse to abide it because of your own political, philosophical, or just because you don't feel like doing it. Okay? Kosher root in your kitchen, I already talked about dietary laws, about meat separation and cheese, okay, I love dairy, but I, I, I eat dairy before I eat meat, because if I eat meat, I have, literally by our tradition, you have to wait six hours for that, I want to get into that, I'm just saying these laws actually are full of good practices, and they ultimately lead to food safety and food quality, and the humane treatment of animals, shaketa, uh, and this is what, what this means, okay? So, um, Rabbi Apple also expounds about various aspects on how these animals are actually slaughtered. Um, you know how my grandfather raised beef cattle, and so did my father uh, in the past. I grew up on a farm, so I'm well acquainted on uh, slaughterhouses and auctions and things like that for animals. Um, but the way that Jews uh, slaughter animals is much different than even the way that Muslims slaughter animals. It's much different than the way Gentile businesses or secular businesses slaughter animals. First of all, you know, you have a, a, a shaketa uh, pen that you round up the animals. Um, you have them in a pen there. They cannot be harmed, bruised, or injured. 
or treated mistreated in any way when they're getting ready to end their life, okay? So um, some people uh, shock uh, animals and, and, and to kill them that way. Uh, some, some people may hit them sharply behind the head or, or uh, try to cut off the head or whatever. But you know, there is a kosher root knife. It is extremely sharp. It does not have a serrated edge. And it's actually monitored each and every time before it's even used to slaughter a cow. Now, some of this may be gross to you. I won't go into a lot of details, but the slaughtering process is instant. The animal dies instant, instantly. The animal loses consciousness. And um, essentially, you cut the, the carotid arteries, the esophagus, the trachea, uh, and that denies immediate blood and oxygen to the brain. And the animal dies instantly without any pain. Now, um, you know, we're all talking about the world to come. We're all talking about the Mashiach. And a lot of Jews, because they read in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 29, about you shall be given every, uh, every um, fruit-bearing tree of the field, every uh, seed-growing uh, plant life, everything, all the plant life of the world, you'll be given this uh, to eat for your life. Um, many people say, well, God wants me to be, to be a vegan, okay? Well, that applied to Adam and Havila or Eve during their generation, the time up to the flood. But after the flood, you know, Noah, one of the first thing he did after he removed all the animals from the ark, and of course those animals were put up there in separation between kosher and non-kosher animals, he uh, was told by God and led in his heart to do animal sacrifices immediately at that time. And remember how God provided manna in the wilderness of Zen to the Jews as they wandered out there. Um, provided manna, which is a non-animal food source that, that God provided them. But still the Jews complained about they wanted meat. Like in Egypt, the God sent quail, which is considered a meat source to this day, like a chicken. So if you eat a chicken... You think of that as much as a meat source as you do a quail, a duck, or any other animal that's considered kosher root. So that 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 lust for the flesh, that need to, to eat meat or whatever, God understands that in this period in time. And um, my daughter is a, is a is a carnivore. Okay, my my wife and I eat meat. We don't eat meat all the time. In fact, we eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of salads and things. We eat, fish and chicken more than beef. That's just their own choice. But how do you teach kosher root or dietary laws to your children as Jews if you don't uh, read the information yourself and then uh, buy these food choices, a whole variety of food choices because they have different vitamins and neutrals and minerals and things of that nature and different food sources, okay? Uh, you should listen to your doctor about your dietary requirements. Uh, if you have too much cholesterol, uh, saturated fat uh, in your bloodstream, it may clog up the arteries in your heart, right? You should get off all that fried chicken and everything, right? And then eat more fish and more lean meat and, and vegetables. But where I'm going is, is, how can you teach your next generation of Jews, Jewish children, kosher food, if you don't, if you heard something uh, preached in a synagogue by your rabbi and they're reading all these dietary laws about all these different animals that were sacrificed, the she-goats and things like that that were literally sacrificed 
three times a day, and all these other uh, special bullocks and everything else for sins of omission, commission, especially in high holidays. Uh, all these animals were sacrificed, and the Kohen Gadol and the Levitical priests were allowed to use, to consume parts of these meat sources, okay? Um, so this is an ongoing thing, and this was an ancient issue when we had a, a Mishkan, a tabernacle, and later on King, Herod, uh, King Solomon's temple, King Herod's temple, there were continued animal sacrifices there too. Of course, in the in the days to come, Isaiah chapter 11 verse 7, we hear about the Mashiach, that um, the animals were laid down. You know, the sheep were laid down with a lamb. I'm sorry, lion. They laid down with a lamb, peace and safety. Um, there would not be any evil, any evil intent. Animals will not pursue humans. Humans will not pursue animals. But there will be animal sacrifices, even though it might be limited. In the time of the Mashiach, you can read in Ezekiel chapter. Uh, 37 about the prince will actually um, offer bullocks on behalf of him and his family for unintentional sins. So where am I going is here? I'm not telling everyone should be vegan. Uh, uh, vegans right or wrong is a personal choice. I respect everyone's uh, personal opinion, but I but I I do follow my oral and written um, traditions as much as I can, and kosher root and dietary laws. So don't think. Don't think at all that it is cruel to murder an animal, to kill an animal, to stain a human being. I did research in closing this podcast that B12 is found predominantly in muscle tissues of animals, okay? Um, it, it is it found much less in plant life. You would actually have to eat certain types of mushroom, uh, certain kind of sprouts, and a lot of seeds, plants, uh, when they grow from the seeds, they acquire B12 from the soil until they can become more mature and then use um, chlorophyll for photosynthesis. And that is their food source. And they, the B12 level diminishes. So a lot of people in India that are Buddhists, uh, um, that are Hindu, uh, and other variants of Buddhism that are strict vegans, well, um, they, they eat a lot of seeds and sprouts. There's a special type of uh, algae that is that is um, phytonutrients in there. They have B12 and B complexes in there too, but it's expensive, and you have to be very picky and very specific in, in how you pick out those items to make sure you're getting B12. Um, again, this is about the humaneness of of slaughtering animals for kosher root and respect to our Torah's dietary laws. It's just something I thought I would share with you. It's something that's hotly debated in Israel. It's something that is actually debated uh, within Jewish communities at home. You know, uh, should I be a vegan? Um, you know, do I do I have do I want kosher lamb during Passover? Um, uh, should I teach my children that it's wrong to eat animals? I know Jews, and I've argued with them today. They they claim that it, that it's that it's mean to kill animals. Okay. Well, rabbis, Orthodox rabbis, oversee the humaneness of slaughtering animals for kosher root, and they would not certify this if it was done inhumanely. Okay. That's the first aspect walking out the door with this podcast is that kindness and compassion comes to the animal first. If your dog or cat or whatever, animal, goldfish or hamster or whatever you have in your home, if they're hungry or thirsty, you feed them before you feed yourself. This is Yara Ben Emmett signing out. 
thank you for your time and contribution. Please share this out to your friends and family. And check out my videos and Torah Watchman YouTube. God bless you. Shalom Aleichem. Thank you.